Thanks for tuning in, guys. As always, I'm your host, Coach Andrew McGacky. Uh, my guest today is Derek Smith. Coach Smith is a strength and conditioning coach as well as a, an administrator in Southside School District. It's a great episode. We talk about building culture, you know, getting started as a strength coach at the high school level, what he's doing, taking on an administrative role and advocating for all sports. Also, we cover the certification topic that's always highly debated that I also spoke with uh, Coach Vogel on a previous episode with. So if you didn't listen to that, go listen to it. I've got a great episode coming out next week with probably the arguably the best football coach in the state of Illinois at the high school level. So stay tuned for that. That's really exciting. It was a really good episode, a great interview. So I'm looking forward to you guys listening to that. And then I've got a few other episodes on deck to come out over the next couple of weeks. Admittedly, with football starting up and running the weight room before and after school and then getting ready for the track season, it's going to be coming up here really shortly. Content might come out not as quickly or as frequently as I would like, but I'm going to do my best to keep putting out episodes as often as I can, make sure they're quality. You know, I do stumble a lot, and even though I, I'm better than when I started, I still need to speak more clearly into the microphone and things like that. So it does take me a while to edit these out. So, But I'm, I'm obviously not going to post something that I don't think is worth listening to. So obviously, if you don't follow me on Twitter, do so. Every time I post an episode, I tweet out about it. So follow me on there. With that, let's roll right into the episode. Welcome to the Coach Growth Podcast, where we hope to provide value and learning to not only young and new coaches, but all coaches who want to continue to grow. I am your host, Coach Andrew McGacky. If you get something out of today's episode, please leave a rating and a review, and don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the latest episode. Lastly, follow me on Twitter at Coach McGacky, that's M-C-G-H-G-H-Y, and don't be afraid to reach out with any coaches or topics you want to hear me talk about. Welcome back, everybody. Joined by a fantastic guest. Easily one of my favorite Twitter follows. I know I've said that a couple of times on this show, but a man that's all about working out and cooking me. And those are my two pillars as a man. And I love it. And I love hopping on Twitter feed, seeing what you got in the smoker. Uh, Coach Derek Smith, uh, Director of Strength and Conditioning, um, Assistant Athletic Director at Southside uh, School District, which is in Arkansas, correct? Yes. Yep. We're in Northeast Arkansas. And then do you do you also still help you coach football as well? Uh, I did this past season. I'm uh, kind of transitioning out of that. Uh, not sure if I will this next season uh, or not going forward, but I'll definitely still be working with the football program uh, at games, doing their strength and conditioning, uh, things like that regardless. So I just may not be uh, coaching a position. As always, let's start out with the – the why, the when, the how, you know, how'd you get into coaching? What made you want to get into coaching? Where did that all start? That kind of thing. Uh, I was fortunate uh, for the most part, had uh, for the complete part, had great coaches when I was in high school coming up. And uh, I didn't even really know that strength and conditioning was a thing uh, that you could do, you know, for a job. I just thought you coached football and then you happen to do the strength and conditioning of your team, you know, with just coaching the sport. So uh, I went to college just to be a, a football coach and history teacher. And then, uh, you know, got a got my first job and then got my first strength and conditioning job a year after that and really decided it was something I wanted to grow in. And that aspect of football coaching was the strength and conditioning. I think a lot of times, especially administrators look at it as and that's honestly probably why I got the job. It's not the right way, but administrators look at it as, oh, well, this guy played college ball and he still works out. So he'll be perfect to be our strength and conditioning coach. Uh, but I kind of wanted to set myself apart from that mold. You know, like I said, right, wrong or indifferent. That's how I was given the job. Uh, I personally don't think I, I should have been because of that. 
but I wanted to kind of make myself credible and grow in the field in that regard once I was given that title. Uh, so just kind of grew it from there uh, at when I was at Blyville. And then now I've ended up here at Southside where I've taken over for the entire district, uh, doing everybody's strength and conditioning, every sport, uh, male and female, 7th through 12th grade. It's awesome to hear the awareness that you have. You maybe not gotten hired for the right reasons, but regardless, you got put in position and you've made the most of it and you've, you've you know, you've grown as a coach, you know, and, and you wanted to, to do it legitimately. And, you know, that's fantastic to hear that. You, you're willing to say that out loud. Sometimes we need to be honest with ourselves, but once we admit that, do the right thing and be better at, for the position and, and do right by our athletes. Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, and there's this, this push and this, you know, a lot of people think there should be a certified strength coach in every high school. Well, yeah, sure. That'd be great, but good luck convincing every high school administrator to think that. And with that regard, if you're put in that position, you got to understand it's more, like I said, it's more than just having played and lifted in college and enjoying lifting. You know, there's a science to it and, and an understanding of it that you got to, if you're given that responsibility and role, you got to own it and, and push yourself to grow in that field and continually grow, not uh, just chase one certification and then hang your hat on that. I do want to touch on certifications, but before uh, we go down that road, you are in the private sector now. You started Smith Performance. Was that just this last year? It's been going on, you know, two or three years now. I started just doing like some personal training uh, for different athletes in the area and then kind of grew it to a remote perspective, working with individual clients remotely. And I've kind of tried getting away from that just because that side of it's kind of time consuming, you know, a client here, a client there. Uh, And now I do remote programming for whole teams uh, high schools and colleges that don't have a strength coach, but want to, you know, have a have a proper program, and then they can implement the program. I find that really interesting because a lot of the times you see, especially on Twitter, um, coaches that that take what you know rightfully take what what we do very seriously, but a lot of people have the opinion that like if you're not there directly watching the kids how are you able to like properly train them? You know, like there's always that the answer that's put out with every question. Well, it depends on the athlete. I, I hear that, but I also know that a lot of people have coached athletes successfully remotely without being there in person, whether it be through like video analysis or like the sport coach that's monitoring them more. But how do you tackle the remote coaching side of things? Team builder is who we use to push those programs out. That software is absolutely phenomenal because I can keep up with a remote athlete that I've never seen in person. I can keep up with all their training data and know they ran this fast of a time sprint. They, this is what they hit for their fours and their twos on say single arm dumbbell bench or whatever it may have been. And so I can keep up with their data. Like I'm there, you know, logging it in person, uh, but I don't have to be there with them in person. And so that's been huge. But then also understanding that sport coaches have done this for since it's been around, you know, strength and conditioning, we're the new ones in the field. And so it's not like just because you're a certified strength coach, no one else can run your program. It's just you provide them the program and then they can go run it. And and they do a good job of that. I mean, some of the people I work with are college coaches. So obviously they know, you know, what the heck they're doing, but it just kind of takes something off their plate too. They don't have to sit there and program when they need to be out recruiting or when they need to be out uh, doing install or all these things. It just kind of takes something off their plate to where they can maybe appoint it to a younger coach 
or an assistant coach on staff, hey, you're going to take Smith Performance's program and you implement it. And, and it gives the coach plenty of wiggle room to implement it the way they want. You know, I'm just providing the X's and O's, how they go about doing that. You know, they can do uh, in whatever way they want to do. And one of the things we do is just design it around their particular facility. And so I'll have the coaches send me pictures of not only their equipment, but also like the open areas they may have access to where we can do different movements or different, you know, field-based things. Uh, and then it's designed completely around that. And each program's kind of different based on what they have access to. Cause I don't want to just send out a cookie cutter program with this exercise. We'll say we're going to do a kettlebell complex. Well, they don't have kettlebells. So, you know, it needs to be designed around what they have access to. Does part of this play into the fact that I'm, 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 I was a sport coach and then just this last month I got hired through my high school as a strength and conditioning coach for all sports. But what I found to make for strength and conditioning, I mean, I've never worked with a volleyball player or a softball player, obviously, or I've never coached any of those sports, but I know that human movement just comes down to, you know, basic, it gets categorized, a push, a pull, a squat, a hinge, and those kinds of things. And so I think that in strength and conditioning, sometimes we try to overcomplicate things. And whether you're coaching an athlete that you don't see in person, you're coaching remotely, but even in person, I just think it does a lot. And I've heard you speak on this, which is, you know, why I bring this up, that have athletes move properly and, and program, like base our programming around that, that it doesn't have to be super complicated. And when it's not super complicated, then a sports coach can run it without the, a certification, perhaps, you know, like without a CSCS background, yeah. they, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I think a lot of times, especially on the strength coach side of things, there's people that like to make it sound a lot more complicated uh, than it is. And, you know, maybe at the super high level where you've got this highly trained, specialized athlete, yeah, you got to kind of reach outside the box and, and do different things, you know, to kind of progress them that you don't have to do with, say, 90% of the regular athletic population. But we're dealing, for the most part, parents probably won't agree with us. Every parent thinks they're kids you know elite as they come uh but we're dealing with kids that are gonna get better from just doing you know basic movements and and base building a just a basic base of strength and then developing from there that being said you know i think there's different sports that need an emphasis on different movements say than other movements for example like uh with our volleyball athletes we don't do a lot of 10 meter fly work we do some but with our volleyball only we don't do a lot of that because rarely in the sport of volleyball does an athlete reach their top linear speed. You know what I mean? It's just not possible given the dimensions of the game and or the aspects of the game and the dimensions of the court they play on. Uh, so they'll do a lot more like acceleration stuff. But as far as in the weight room, basically every one of our sports, you know, follow 85% of the same program. And then we individualize based out of that 85%. We keep it simple. You know, the big differences as they are with everybody are, are is more based on age rather than, than sport. You got, you got to go with, you know, the kiss principle, keep it simple, stupid. You see it in, in sport coaching too. They like to think they have developed, you know, the most complicated best thing there is. And, and they want to almost seem smarter than they are. Uh, when in a lot of times, if you just do something simple, uh, you're going to be a lot more successful. You know, I see it a lot of, when I was coaching with teams we'd play where football side of things, if they would have just ran it right down our throat or, or ran a go route on our corner who was 5'6 and ran a 5'240, then they would have scored every time instead of trying to dial up, you know, 
all kinds of switches and all that. So I think and it's the same thing. I'm not, you know, talking down on sport coaches. We do the exact same thing uh, as strength coaches too. So oh, you're absolutely right. And, and I agree with that. I've seen it um, on both ends through the sports side, you know, sports coaching side and the strength coaching side. You know, I, I played football in high school. We ran a double tight, double wing offense, and we threw the ball maybe twice a game. And my sophomore year, we went undefeated state championship doing that. Every team knew we were going to do it. They loved the box. But when you – our fundamentals, and I know fundamentals are preached and everything, but they were just so crisp and clean, and it didn't matter, right? And I think strength and conditioning doesn't have to be any different if you just do the fundamentals really well. Obviously, you need to progress at some point, but it, once you get those basics down but – that, but that's also not to, I guess, a, a word of caution for anybody listening – don't overemphasize the basics and at the expense of not progressing, you know, progressing as well. So there's a fine balance in there. And I get, you know, that's the art of coaching. Um, yeah. Well, one thing, like you said, was like, it's simple. It's a push, a pull, uh, you know, you can, and you can categorize your exercises as those. And then your progressions just build off those in those sections. So, you know, for our beginner athletes, a push may be a dumbbell bench because they can't physically do a push-up and then we go from dumbbell bench okay now they've built up a little upper body strength now we'll go to push-up you know and then our next push may be something more advanced and then that way you can individualize based off you know the athlete's ability uh, not all our kids at all are on an individual program but if we have a kid that's that excels and say a, a power-based movement we may have this kid snatch and this kid do a clean pull based off you know what they can do so now i, I want to segue from from that into the certification topic it's been debated a lot you know anybody that that is on twitter i'm a i have a clear bias in this argument but i heard you speak on the muscles management podcast a long time ago with jerry DeFilippo. great episode everybody go listen to it's a great podcast a little plug for jerry uh, but you talked about in arkansas how you only have a handful of certified strength and conditioning coaches in the entire state and it's primarily sport coaches and then you touched on how the the nhs um, sca is trying to help educate those sports coaches i was a sports coach you know i am a sports coach i'm still a head track coach and i'm an assistant uh football coach but i knew strength and conditioning was going to help my team get better so i dove into it and i've, I've taken courses and certifications and then i've spent hundreds of dollars on books and, hey, and learning like you talked and you touched on do you think that's enough like, you know, where do you stand on this battle? Like, do, you know, you need to go get your CSES or, you know, is a PE degree enough? What, what, like, what's your opinion? I think you need to seek uh, a deeper understanding of strength and conditioning. And regardless of, of what path you take to do that, you know, that can be up to you based on your career goals. Uh, so I want to get the CSCS simply because actually now I'm probably, I'll be honest, at the high school level, I'm probably never going to look for another job just because uh, it's a great place and they, they take great care of me here. But if I ever were to want a college job or to look at a college opportunity, I'm going to need that. But if, say, you're a high school coach and you know that's your thing and you know you want to, you just want to continue to be a sport coach and coach the weight room, then you don't have to get, you know, the CSCS. I think you can you can choose whatever path you want to go uh, as long as you continue to seek a deeper understanding. Mike Boyle's functional strength coach would be an awesome one. The NHSCA is coming out with a certification. Uh, USAW, uh, Altus has a bunch of different ones. And uh, I think as far as learning and understanding, all those are going to be highly beneficial. Uh, yeah, the CSCS is great. 
uh, and you learn a bunch in the process. But to me, uh, I've learned a lot more about strength and conditioning outside of that than I have from it specifically. I think it's more of a, a career advancement tool. Uh, but you do see it sometimes at the high school level with regards to like job applications, you know, must have a CSCS or, or CSCS required. And so even at the high school level, I think it, it kind of gives you a leg up. But that's not to say I don't think you have to have it at all. And I don't think just because you have it, it makes you a better coach. I think it does maybe cut down on the chances of you being a bad coach, but it doesn't make you uh, a great coach by any means. I think it's it's interesting here in the state of Illinois, if you want to be a high school coach or a junior high coach, you just have to take an online exam, so pay a hundred bucks, super easy course. And then boom, you're certified to, to coach kids. And I, I'm not comparing running the weight room to say coaching cross country or golf or what, obviously there's, there's difference. There's safety concerns in the weight room that aren't present in every sport. However, there are safety concerns in football. There are safety concerns in, in track as well. I mean, I guess I just have to take a course to be, you know, and I, and I was a track coach. If I, if it's 110 degrees outside and I run my kids to death and somebody has a heat stroke, that's on me. I'm a bad coach, but all I needed was to take a test and I was certified to do that. So I think that the letter, you know, the letters behind your name help. And, and it, it like shows that you have at least a base understanding, but I, I mean, even once you get that certification, you can make bad decisions that are harmful to your athletes. And, you know, just because you have a certification doesn't mean you're a good coach. Just because you don't have it doesn't mean you're a bad coach. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you can make decisions that are harmful, but you can also be the one that makes decisions that has the all the athletes as a whole, uh, their best interest in mind. Like one thing I think of is here in Arkansas, I'm not sure if it's a nationwide deal, uh, but here in Arkansas, our activity association, they just adopted basically this wet bulb temperature reading that basically it factors in humidity, the real temperature, the wind speed, the cloud cover, and you basically have this, I, I don't know how to explain it, it looks like a weather instrument, and it gives you a, a wet bulb temperature reading. And it has nothing to do with, like, it doesn't correlate to the real temperature, but if it reaches like, a certain level, I, I can't think of the level off the top of my head, I want to think it's like 92, but that's not, it can be 100 degrees and not be 92 on the, the wet bulb if it's not humid or, or whatever. But if it reaches 92, that may not be the exact level, I'm just throwing that one out there. But if it reaches this temperature, you can only practice with helmets on for 30 minutes. Or if it reaches this temperature, you can't practice at all. And then so what I've done is kind of taken that role over because as, as the strength coach, like I said, it's my goal to keep the athlete's best interest at heart. Our AD appointed that me to be the one to do that. And so that kind of separates me from, okay, well, I'm not going to be – if it's 92.5, just because I'm buddies with the football coach, I'm not going to let the kids roll through practice. Uh, now, if it's 92-1, we're shutting it down, and, and they can be pissed off at me, but that's what we're going to do, and and we're going to err on the side of caution. So, like you said, you can definitely do some things to hurt them, but you can also, if you'll stick your neck out there, uh, do some things to, to keep their best interest in mind. Yeah, you know, uh, we went through that here in Illinois. I don't know if that's a national thing, but we have similar rules here in Illinois. I know not this, uh, it would have been 2019. There was a couple days and, and, you know, we just got a new turf field and anybody that practices on turf knows it gets a heck of a lot hotter with that sun bouncing off that rubber. Um, but we have an athletic trainer on site for football practice every day. And he had a gauge and, you know, he's like, okay, you have to, you have to take water breaks this many minutes. You can only go live for this long. And it felt unproductive, but sometimes 
unproductive is what's safe, you know, like it, 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 what expense is it worth it? And that's, that's true with football practice. And that's also true in the weight room. You know, I mean, my kids want to go heavy all the time. I think, you know, like, especially like football players. And I know any people that coach boys in high school, like they want to lift heavy all the time, but there's a point where it's not safe and it's also not productive. And so it's, it's important to have people in those roles and that those safeguards are in place. One thing that I, I, I've, I've really grown to respect and appreciate out of you know, following your program online is you have uh, incredible buy-in, it seems, to what you do with your athletes. Um, just, you know, the, the, the numbers that you get at morning lifting, you know, I know the, this last week, um, you know, yesterday I woke up at five, opened the weight room, and I had three kids there. And it was, it was really, I was happy to see those three kids, but it's kind of heartbreaking when you have this open door policy and nobody wants to come in. Um, and obviously I'm in a very new role, so I, I have, I don't have any expectations, but what have you done in your time there just to create buy-in? Is it, you know, has it just been success over time and kids seeing results or? Well, to kind of speak on what you said, you know, being in a new role and, and you only had three kids there, like where we're at now. Uh, in our program is not where we were at three years ago when I was hired. So I was in the exact same scenario. I'd planned a great off-season program and I'd planned all these sessions. And then probably half the time I'd, I'd walk out there to a session and there'd be either zero or one kid uh, at that session. So to that, man, just stay the course and, and win one kid over at a time. And then that kid's going to go bring two with them. And then those two, those three, they'll bring six with them. And then it just kind of multiplies from there. Uh, so just stay the course, but then also different states are different, but being able to work with athletes starting in seventh grade is huge because now I'm creating a relationship with them seventh and eighth grade compared to someone who may have to start creating relationships in ninth and 10th grade. And so when I get them in seventh and eighth grade, those relationships have already been created and that, that buy-in and that trust process has kind of already been started. And then so that just kind of helps grow it, you know, from there. And then also, you know, your sport coaches uh, have to back it and have to back you and your your strength program 100 percent. And that takes time. That takes time to win them over and takes time to trust a strength coach with that part of their program, because honestly, they've probably done that part for for a long time. And, and I think uh, to our volleyball coach, first off, they're extremely successful and they've done a great job. But that's probably, besides football, our most bought-in program that we have. And, and at first, it wasn't like that just because she'd already been successful. She'd already been at the school longer than me. Uh, you know, so it, it was a process of getting her, you know, to, to turn her girls over to us and kind of – and honestly, we see a lot differently on things in terms of training them. Uh, but she's handed them over completely. She saw the benefits of it and, and how it's kind of helped their program uh, grow. So it's a process and it takes time. Uh, like I said, just grow it one kid at a time and then awesome sport coaches, uh, backing you is a big part of it. For like a, like a coach that just comes into a school starting out, what are your like initial steps, like what advice, like for initial steps, like for a new strength coach or even like a new sport coach to start that relationship with the strength coach? Like, you know, you've done both, like what's your advice to navigate that relationship? You know, start like, Okay, so you'll come in as a strength coach and you'll think, okay, we got to train three days a week, mandatory, you know, uh, or, or we're not going to get anything done. When in all reality, if you'll consistently train and get that coach on board one time a week, that adds up over the course of a year. You know, you're going to get in a lot of training sessions and you're going to be apt 
to get them to give you one day a week more than you are three days a week if you come in new right off the bat. And, and so start them with that one day a week. That's what we I'm using volleyball as an example because football trained as many days a week as they wanted when I got there. So that's not a, you know, a really good example on how to grow it. Uh, but volleyball, she turned them over one day a week. And then we went from there to two days a week. And we went from there to three days a week. And now we're four. Some of the girls want to train five days a week. And, and I got to kind of back them off of it a little bit, but they'll want to come in and do like rehab type stuff and things like that to make it five. So we do that. I got to ask real quick with the five day thing. This is the thing that I've ran and I ran into it as a sports coach and I'm running into it as a strength and conditioning coach. My kids that want to lift more, a lot of them have gym memberships outside of the school and I see them at those gyms and I tell them, I'm like, Hey, you know, like I don't program this in this, all this extra load. So like when you come and work with me tomorrow and you're sore and that, you know, that heavy squat set that you're supposed to hit with me isn't as good because of your squatting today, you know, whatever, that's not, that's not on me. I got to put out that disclaimer. Is that, is that something, is that other strength coaches? Like, do you ever have that issue? Uh, I used to get a lot more pissed off about it than I do now, just because uh, I got to thinking about it and I looked at it back in college and I do our 5am workout in college and then go to lunch, go to class, go to practice, and then go hit bro sessions at the local uh, gym there uh, in that town uh, for four years. And But I think what's you got to relate to them, you got to talk to them about is do things we're not doing here. So if if we're squatting heavy, don't freaking go squat heavy the night before at the at the gym with your gym buddies or, or that night of. Do things we're not doing here. Like I purposely with our guys don't program – you know a lot of like arm work because I know they're going to freaking go to the gym and hit curls and, and triceps and all that trying to make conversation with their gym crush or whatever it may be that's there uh, so I leave some stuff out and then kind of encourage them to do that you know uh, if if they're just dead set on going extra uh, and then you know a lot of them just want to come to our sessions extra and then so I'll I'll talk to them about, you know, this needs to be a low, low effort day, low effort, high focus type day, you know, this fifth day of this week uh, or, or whatever the recovery day may be that week. You mentioned at the very beginning, not to, to go back to too much, but how you're kind of stepping away from like the football uh, role. Um, did you start as a sport? Were you a sports coach first that then became a strength coach? Yes. Uh, well, Career-wise, yes. And then at Southside, I was hired as strength and conditioning, but I was also an assistant football coach. But when I was hired, basically, we knew we were going to grow an all-sports program from that point. We just didn't know, you know, how long that process would take uh, and, and what all that would entail. But part of the getting out of football comes with, I recently moved to assistant athletic director uh, so there's going to be th days I have to miss practice for meetings or or things like that. And so it's better to kind of start the transition out now because I was O-line coach and then I don't need to be O-line coach if I'm missing to go to our district softball meeting, missing practice. You know, that's not fair to the kids. And also that's fine with me. It helps me grow our strength program because now when they're at practice during football season, I can be with basketball in their off season. I can be with all sports year round instead of being with all sports, basically November through 
August. I think that's really interesting to hear, at least for me personally, uh, just because there's uh, there's a lot of things I, I find in common with what you just said. One is just like my growth into strength and conditioning. I mean, it's to the point, like when I pull up film on huddle and I'm, I'm the O-line, D-line coach and I watch our guys pull, I'm looking at their angle of their pool so much. And then I'm like, Oh wait, did they even go to the right assignment? Like I, you know, like it's the, the, the movement part of uh, uh, the human movement part of the sport is just really, it's just fascinating to me. Um, and it's just been an awesome rabbit hole to go down, but here at Macomb, even prior to me getting this role, the strength and conditioning coach, it was a before and after school thing because we don't have weight training as an elective. And so here I am, I, I, I was offered the job. I accepted the job as the strength and conditioning coach, but I'm also a football coach and I'm also a track coach. And right now in Illinois, we didn't have a fall football season. So football starts for us March 3rd and then track starts April. So I'm trying to plan out when I'm going to run the weight room and be, you know, a sports coach. And, and I told our football coach that you're not going to see a whole lot of me. Now they've brought on additional coaches to, because we had some extra stipends because we didn't have junior high football is the, the short answer. Why? Um, so they're going to help fill that role. But I, you know, I told him it's a conversation that I have to have with myself that I've been having myself is maybe I need to step down. You know, I got to step down from one role to be able to give attention, more of my attention to the other one. Right. And I, I told our head coach and he agreed with, you know, and he said the same thing. If I step down as a positional coach, but I'm still the football strength and conditioning coach, I still have an impact with that program. You know, but not only do I have an impact with that program, but I have an impact with all the programs, which is ultimately what I want. I don't want to just help football players and my track athletes, right? I want to help. I want to help softball players. I want to help soccer players. You know, cross country runners that don't play football, whatever. It's it's a difficult decision to make. But you know, like when when you train athletes, you talk about like filling buckets and like spending too much time on one thing and not another. And I think our coaching roles are no different, right? I mean, we only have so much time, and eventually one job's going to win out over the other whether you like it or not, it's going to suck, but it, it, that's what growth is. Yeah. And, and I think you're onto something there. It's extremely rewarding working, you know, with all sports and seeing them grow just as a lot of us are, our football coaches are started as football coaches, just as we see that one program grow. It's awesome. You know, kind of seeing your small impact on all these other programs. Uh, and honestly, you know, that's, what's going to keep me here at this role is, because I get to work with all sports, uh, you know, boys basketball or, or baseball or softball or volleyball, whatever it is, just kind of seeing them grow uh, in their different weak points uh, that they may have had, whatever it may be, and kind of seeing them grow and blossom, it's, it's extremely rewarding. And I think you'll you'll definitely enjoy that going forward with the other sports. And it's also kind of fun to learn the nuances of, of how to mentally coach uh, all those different sports, like for example, our football kids would all love if we played Metallica and it looked like a West Side Barbell gym in there uh, and and just did that. But then again, on the flip side of that, if our volleyball girls came into that, they'd freaking turn around and walk out the door. Uh, and so it's, it's awesome to kind of learn and have to adapt, you know, to all these different styles uh, of coaching. And our volleyball girls get after it just as hard as the football guys. It's just what motivates them to do it is slightly different than some of the, the other sports. So, And you talked about advice I'd have for, a, for a, a coach just getting into it. That would be one of my biggest pieces of advice is don't paint yourself into a corner uh, with how you coach or, or how you have your weight room set up. 
uh, or your kind of approach to the weight room because you're only going to reach a certain audience with that way as to where I try and run ours. It's like a, you know, it's, I try to treat like a high performance center where you want to come train regardless of, of, you know, what your what motivates you. It's open to everybody. Uh, and I think that's important. You got to do, you know, at, at first I wanted to get uh, Southside barbell painted on the walls with a big like muscular mutant looking dude, uh, which would have been awesome uh, for me. I would have thought it was awesome, but Looking back, I'm glad I didn't do that because what if I had a, a baseball kid coming in, you know, and his parents, right or wrong, had preconceived notions of, you know, baseball players being not needing to be muscular or whatever. That's wrong. But what if they had that connotation and then they come in and see this and they're like, oh, well, hell, this guy's just a meathead. We can do this, this at the gym. You know, this isn't anything different. So I think uh, that would be my biggest advice is don't paint yourself in a corner with the structure and, and how your weight room looks. One last thing I want to touch on just out of curiosity, as you step into this administrative role as an assistant athletic director, has that changed your perspective on coaching at all and how you view like the role of a coach? I've started looking at more like, you know, really how I can help our coaches and then also how I can highlight our coaches you know, and what they do. And, and I think that's your role as a strength coach anyway. So it's a really good pairing and transition. It's your role to be an extension of that sport coach. So, you know, the administrative part of it's been great. You know, I, I'll kind of be their voice on things they want at district meetings or voice what they want to our head athletic director and just kind of be an extension to them and kind of push for things for them going forward. Well, that was a great piece of advice that you just gave about basically being flexible and keeping an open mind with how you do things. What other advice would you have for a new coach getting into the field? Like we talked about earlier, just constantly look to gain knowledge in the field. And it doesn't have to be, I'm not saying it doesn't need to be, you can learn things from, from guys like Michael Boyle and, and Bobby Stroop who trains Patrick Mahomes and, and all these, you know, high level guys in the field but I guarantee there's someone within a hundred mile radius radius of you doing an awesome job at the high school or small college or any type of level that you can learn from. And in a lot of cases be a lot more applicable because they're training the same kids you're training. You know, if you think about it, like from a football coaching clinic perspective, I remember going to these clinics and they, these guys would draw up all these things, these college coaches and it'd be like, okay, well, yeah, that's great. But you can recruit, guys specifically to do that that doesn't help me because i'm stuck with the kid playing pokemon cards you know who who who's not going to be able to do that so i think reach out to people in your scenario and, and learn from them that's not discounting those guys i mentioned that do an awesome job but you can really learn from people in your role uh, just as much as you can from someone at like a you know, super elite role. What's next for you, coach? Is the coach growth podcast for a reason? Coach Smith, like, what are you going to do to grow? What's what's your plan for the future? Uh, you know, going forward, I'm going to, uh, I'll transition from assistant AD uh, to AD sometime down the line, you know, whenever that may be sooner or later, I'm not sure, but kind of going to grow in that administrative regard and then just kind of uh, get more into uh, some logistical type things. We're building a basketball arena. And then so, you know, the strength coach of me is going to want to put top of the line, everything in there because uh, it's going to have a weight room. Uh, but then, you know, the administrative side of me will have to make the best uh, financial move 
so just kind of growing and learning how to blend those two roles. Uh, but I think it's a good role that goes together because you're the voice of all sports as a strength coach, kind of, you know, you can speak uh, for all athletes. And so that's important to do and important to grow in. And you got to be willing sometimes to, to piss some people off. I think one of our football coaches, we get along, we we're great buddies, uh, but we kind of had a disagreement this year about volleyball coming into the, the main weight room and football having to go find something to do that day, you know, elsewhere on campus at an auxiliary gym or whatever it may be. But, you know, the football coach side of me would have said, you're right, they can lift in their weight room. But the bottom line is their weight room doesn't have all the things that the, the main weight room has. Uh, so I stuck my neck out and said, no, we're coming. Uh, and y'all have to find something to do that day. Uh, so just be a, a voice for all sports. And I think that will kind of, if you're a strength coach, that will help you kind of grow into an administrative role because they see that you have the interest of the entire athletic program at heart compared to just the football program at heart. And so if you're a strength coach and you kind of want to grow into that administrative perspective, uh, that's a good way to go about it, kind of sticking your neck out for everybody uh, and supporting everybody. Uh, lastly, Coach, where can people find you? Where can they get a hold of you, that kind of thing? Get a hold of me on Twitter. It's uh, at Coach D-E-E Smith. I don't have a website. I've tried making one like six times and it looks like a middle school science technology class project. It's terrible. Uh, so if you find any of my websites out there, they don't work, but I'm working on getting a real one made. Uh, so eventually I'll have a website, but sh shoot me a message on Twitter. Sometimes it takes me a while to get back, but I I'll get back to you. And if not, shoot me an email at coach D E E Smith one at gmail.com. Coach, thank you for your time. Thanks for all your wonderful advice. Appreciate having you on the show. Thanks, man. Really appreciate Glad it. Glad to do it, man. Thanks for tuning in, guys. As always, I'm your host, Coach Andrew McGacky. Uh, my guest today is Derek Smith. Coach Smith is a strength and conditioning coach as well as a administrator in Southside School District. It's a great episode. We talk about building culture, you know, getting started as a strength coach at the high school level, what he's doing, taking on an administrative role and advocating for all sports. Also, we cover the certification topic that's always highly debated that I also spoke with uh, Coach Vogel on a previous episode with. So if you didn't listen to that, go listen to it. I've got a great episode coming out next week with probably the Arguably the best football coach in the state of Illinois at the high school level. So stay tuned for that. That's really exciting. It was a really good episode, a great interview. So I'm looking forward to you guys listening to that. And then I've got a few other episodes on deck to come out over the next couple of weeks. Admittedly, with football starting up and running the weight room before and after school and then getting ready for the track season, it's going to be coming up here really shortly. Content might come out not as quickly or as frequently as I would like, but I'm going to do my best to keep putting out episodes as often as I can, make sure they're quality, you know. I do stumble a lot, and even though I, I'm better than when I started, I still need to speak more clearly into the microphone and things like that. So it does take me a while to edit these out. So, But I'm, I'm obviously not going to post something that I don't think is worth listening to. So obviously, if you don't follow me on Twitter, do so. Every time I post an episode, I tweet out about it. So follow me on there. With that, let's roll right into the episode.